Alright, before we read Srimad Bhagavatam, Krishna book, Srila uh, Prabhupada's favorite and our favorite, tenth summary of the tenth canto, we'll read Srila Sanatan Goswami's prayer to the Srimad Bhagavatam called Srimad Bhagavata Mahima Stotram. It's from the Sri Krishna Lila Stava. <clears throat> I read it every day before we read the Bhagavatam. It's the most beautiful prayer uh, glorifying the Bhagavatam that exists, I believe, in my opinion. And it helps us to go deeper into the Bhagavatam by teaching us what it is and what we should be seeing. It goes like this. Sarva Shastabdipiyusha Sarva Vedaika Satpala Sarva Siddhanta Ratnaja Sarva Lokaika Drikprada O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures, singular fruit of all the Vedas, rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths, you are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata Prana Srimad Bhagavata Prabho Kalidvandodita Ditya Sri Krishna Parivartita O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees O Master Srimad Bhagavatam You are the sun risen in the darkness of Kali You are the exact image of Sri Krishna Paramananda Pataya Prema Varshakshadayate Sarvada Sarvasevyaya Sri Krishnaya Namostume I bow down to you who are supremely blissful to read. Your every syllable pours down a flood of prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Sri Krishna Himself. Madekabando Matsangin Madguro Man Mahadana Man Mistan Nadbhagya my only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune, my source of ecstasy, I bow down to you. Asadu sadutadayin atini chochatakada hanamun chigadachin mam premna ritkantayospuda. O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen, please never leave me. Always appear in my heart and my voice with pure love. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya We're taking up in the Krishna book, that is Krishna, the Supreme Personality of God, at chapter 12, the killing of the Agasura demon. Once the Lord desired to go early in the morning with all his coward boyfriends to the forest, where they were to assemble together and take lunch. As soon as he got up from bed, he blew his buffalo horn bugle 
and called all his friends together. Keeping the calves before them, they started for the forest in a great procession. In this way, Lord Krishna assembled thousands of his boyfriends. They were each equipped with a stick, flute, and horn, as well as a lunch bag, and each of them was taking care of thousands of calves. All the boys appeared very jolly and happy in that excursion. Each and every one of them, including Krishna, was attentive to his personal calves as he herded them in the different places in the forest. The boys were fully decorated with various kinds of golden ornaments, yet out of sporting propensities they began to pick up flowers, leaves, twigs, peacock feathers, and red clay from different places in the forest and further decorate themselves in different ways. While passing through the forest, one boy stole another boy's lunch package and passed it to a third. And when the boy whose lunch package was stolen came to know of it, he tried to take it back. But the boy who had it, but the boy who had it, had it, threw it to another boy. This sportive playing went on amongst the boys as childhood pastimes. When Lord Krishna went ahead to a distant place in order to see some specific scenery, the boys behind him ran to try to catch up and be the first one to touch him. So there was a great competition. One would say, I will go there and touch Krishna. And another would say, oh, you cannot go, I'll touch Krishna first. Some of them played on their flutes or vibrated bugles made of buffalo horn. Some of them gladly followed the peacocks and imitated the onomatopoetic sounds of the cuckoo. While the birds were flying in the sky, the boys ran after the birds' shadows along the ground and tried to follow their exact courses. Some of them went to the monkeys and silently sat down by them, and some of them imitated the dancing of the peacocks. Some of them caught monkeys by the tail and played with them, and when the monkeys jumped into a tree, the boys followed. When a monkey showed its face and teeth, a boy imitated and showed his teeth to the monkey. Some of the boys played with the frogs on the bank of the Jumuna, and when out of fear the frogs jumped into the water, the boys immediately dove in after them. And when the boys came out of the water and saw their own shadows, they would stand imitating, making caricatures and laughing. They would also go to an empty well and make loud sounds, and when the echo came back, they would call it ill names and laugh. As stated personally by the Supreme Personality of Godhead in the Bhagavad Gita, he is realized proportionately by transcendentalists as Brahman, Paramatma, and the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Here, in confirmation of the same statement, Lord Krishna, who awards the impersonalists the pleasure of Brahman realization by his bodily effulgence, also gives pleasure to the devotees as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Those who are under the spell of the external energy, Maya, take him only as a beautiful child. Yet he gave full transcendental pleasure to the coward boys who played with him. Only after accumulating heaps of transcendental fortune, of pious activities, only after accumulating heaps of pious activities were those boys promoted to personally associate with the pers Supreme Personality of Godhead. Who can estimate the transcendental fortune of the residents of Vrindavana? They were personally seeing the Supreme Personality of Godhead face to face. He who many yogis cannot find even after undergoing severe austerities, although he is sitting within their hearts. 
This is confirmed in the Brahma Sanghita. One may search for Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, through the pages of the Vedas and Upanishads, but it is difficult to find him there. However, one who is fortunate enough to associate with a devotee can see the Supreme Personality of Godhead face to face. <clears throat> After accumulating pious activities in many, many pious lives, previous lives, the cowherd boys were seeing Krishna face to face and playing with him as friends. They could not understand that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but they were playing as intimate friends with intense love for him. When Lord Krishna was enjoying his childhood pastimes with his boyfriends, one Agasura demon became very impatient. He was unable to tolerate seeing Krishna play so happily, and therefore he appeared before the boys intending to kill them all. This Agasura was so dangerous that even the denizens of heaven were afraid of him. Although the, the denizens of heaven drank nectar daily to prolong their lives, they were afraid of, the, of this Agasura and were wondering, when will the demon be killed? The denizens used to drink nectar to become immortal, but actually they were not confident of their immortality. On the other hand, the boys who were playing with Krishna had no fear of the demons. They were free of fear. Any material arrangement for protecting oneself from death is always unsure, but if one is in Krishna consciousness, then immortality is confidentially assured. Confidentially assured. The demon Agasura appeared before Krishna and his friends. Agasura happened to be the younger brother of Bhutana and Bakasura, and he thought, Krishna has killed my brother and sister. Now I shall kill him, along with his friends and calves. Agasura was instigated by Kamsa, so he had come with determination. Agasura also thought that he, when he would offer grains and water in memory of his brother and sister and kill Krishna and all the coward boys, then automatically all the inhabitants of Vrindavan would die. Generally for the householders, the children are the life and breath force. When all the children die, then naturally the parents also die on account of strong affection for them. <clears throat> Agasura, thus deciding to kill all the inhabitants of Vrindavan, expanded himself by the yogic city called Mahima. The demons are generally expert in achieving almost all kinds of mystic powers. In the yoga system, by the perfection called Mahima city, one can expand himself as he desires. The demon Agasura expanded himself up to eight miles and assumed the shape of a very fat serpent. Having attained this wonderful body, he stretched his mouth open just like a mountain cave, desiring to swallow all the boys at once, including Krishna and Balarama. He sat on the path. The demon in the shape of a big fat serpent expanded his lips from land to sky. His lower lip was touching the ground and his upper lip was touching the clouds. His jaws appeared like a big mountain cave without limitation and his teeth appeared just like mountain summits. 
His tongue appeared to be a broad traffic way, and he was breathing just like a hurricane. His eyes were blazing like fire. At first the boys thought that the demon was a statue, <clears throat> but after examining it, they saw that it was a big serpent lying down on the road and widening his mouth. The boys began to talk among themselves, Dear friends, this figure appears to be a great animal and he is sitting in such a posture just to swallow us all. Just see, is it not a big snake that has widened his mouth to eat all of us? One of them said, Yes, what you say is true. This animal's upper lip appears to be just like the sunshine and its lower lip is just like the reflection of red sunshine on the ground. Dear friends, just look to the right and left-hand side of the mouth of the animal. Dear friends, just look to the right and left-hand side of the mouth of the animal. Its mouth appears to be a big mountain cave and its height cannot be estimated. The chin is also raised just like a mountain summit. That long highway appears to be a t its tongue. And inside the mouth it is as dark as, a, as in a mountain cave. The hot wind that is blowing like a hurricane is in his breathing. And the fishy bad smell coming out from his mouth is the smell of his intestines. Then they further consulted among themselves. If we all at one time entered into the mouth of this great serpent, how would it, could it possibly swallow all of us? And even if it were to swallow all of us at once, it could not swallow Krishna. Krishna will immediately kill him as he did Bakasura. Talking in this way, all the boys looked at the beautiful lotus-like face of Krishna and they began to clap and smile. And so they marched forward and entered the mouth of the gigantic serpent. Meanwhile, Krishna, who is the super-soul within everyone's heart, could understand that the big <clears throat> statuesque figure was a demon. The boys did not know this, however, and thus, while Krishna was planning how to stop the destruction of his intimate friends, all the boys, along with their calves, entered the mouth of the serpent. But Krishna did not enter. The demon was awaiting Krishna's entrance, and he was thinking, everyone has entered except Krishna, who has killed my brother and sister. Krishna is the assurance of safety to everyone. But when he saw that his friends were already out of his hands and were lying within the belly of, the, of a great serpent, he became momentarily aggrieved. He was also struck with wonder at how the external energy worked so wonderfully. He then began to consider how he could kill the demon and at the same time save the boys and calves. Although there was no factual concern on Krishna's part, he was thinking like that. Finally, after some deliberation, he also entered the mouth of the demon. When Krishna entered, all the demigods, 
who had gathered to see the fun and who were hiding within the clouds, expressed <clears throat> expressed their feelings with the words, Alas! Alas! At the same time, all the friends of the Avagasura, especially Kansa, who were all accustomed to eating flesh and blood, expressed their jubilation, understanding that Krishna had also entered the mouth of the demon. Very interesting, huh? Krishna knew, Kansa knew that was happening. Very powerful. While the demon was trying to smash Krishna and his companions, Krishna heard the demigods crying, alas and alas, and he immediately began to expand himself within the throat of the demon. Although he had a gigantic body, the demon choked by the expanding of Krishna. His big eyes moved violently, and so he, and he quickly suffocated. His life air could not come out from any source, and ultimately it burst out of a hole in the upper part of his skull. Thus his life air passed off. After the demon was dead, Krishna, with his transcendental grace of Krishna, after the demon was dead, Krishna, with his transcendental glance alone, brought all the boys and calves back to consciousness and came with them out of the mouth of the demon. While Krishna was within the mouth of Agasura, the demon's spirit soul came out like a dazzling light, illuminating all directions and waited in the sky. As soon as Krishna came out of the mouth of the demon with his calves and friends, that glittering effulgent light immediately merged into the body of Krishna within the vision of all the demigods. The demigods became overwhelmed with joy and showered flowers on the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna and thus they worshipped him. The denizens of heaven danced in jubilation and the denizens of, in Gandharvaloka offered various kinds of prayers. Drummers beat drums in jubilation, the brahmanas recited Vedic hymns and all the devotees of the Lord chanted the words Jai. Jai, Jai. All, all glorious to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. When Lord Brahma heard those auspicious vibrations which sounded throughout the higher planetary system, he immediately came down to see what had happened. He saw that the demon was killed and he was struck with wonder at the uncommon, glorious pastimes of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The gigantic mouth of the demon remained in an open position for many days and gradually dried up. It remained, it remained a spot of pleasure. It remained a spot of pleasure pastimes for all the cowherd boys. The killing of Agasura took place when Krishna and, it, and all his boyfriends were under five years old. Krishna was Krishna, children under five years old are called Komara. Haribo. From five years up to the tenth year, they are called Pauganda. And from the tenth year up to the fifteenth year, they are called Kaishora. After the fifteenth year, boys are called youths. From one year 
there was no discussion of the incident of the Agasura demon in the village of Braja. But when the boys attained their sixth year, they informed their parents of the incident with great wonder. For Sri Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who was, a, who was far greater than such demigods, such as for Sri Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is far greater than such demigods as Lord Brahma, it is not at all difficult to award one the opportunity of merging with his eternal body. This he awarded to Agasura. Agasura was certainly the most sinful living entity and it is not possible for the sinful to merge into the existence of the Absolute Truth. But in this particular case, because Krishna entered into Agasura's body, the demon became fully cleansed of all sinful reactions. Persons constantly thinking of the eternal form of the Lord in the shape of the deity or in the shape of a mental form are awarded the transcendental benediction of entering into the kingdom of God and associating with the Supreme Personality of, God, of Godhead. So we can just imagine the elevated position of someone like Agasura into whose body the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna personally enters. Great sages, meditators and devotees constantly keep the form of the Lord within their hearts or they see the deity form of the Lord in the temples. In that way they become liberated from all material contamination and at the end of the body enter into the kingdom of God. This perfection is possible simply by keeping the form of the Lord within the mind. But in the case of Agasura, the Supreme Personality of Godhead personally entered. Agasura's position was therefore greater than the ordinary devotees or the greatest yogis. Maharaj Pariksit, who was engaged in hearing the transcendental pastimes of Lord Krishna, who saved the life of Maharaj Pariksit while he was in the womb of his mother, became more and more interested to hear about him. And thus he questioned the sage Shukadeva Goswami, who was reciting Srimad Bhagavatam before the king. King Pariksit was a bit astonished to understand that the killing of the Agasura demon was not discussed for one year until after the boys attained the Poganda age. Maharaj Pariksit was very inquisitive to learn about this, for he was sure that such an incident was due to the working of Krishna's different energies. Generally, the Chatriyas or the administrative class are always busy with their political affairs, and they have very little chance to hear about the transcendental pastimes of Lord Krishna. But while Pariksit Maharaj was hearing these transcendental pastimes, he considered himself to be very fortunate because not only was he hearing Krishna's pastimes, but he was doing so from Shukadeva Goswami, the greatest authority on Srimad Bhagavatam. Thus being requested by Maharaj Pariksit, Shukadeva Goswami continued to speak 
about the transcendental pastimes of Lord Krishna in the matter of his form, qualities, fame, and paraphernalia. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta purport of the twelfth chapter of Krishna, the killing of the Agasura demon. Bravo! Well done, well done. Well done. Well done. The devotee has uh, a image of the the Lord in his mind that is after a, an accurate description, and he fixes his mind there. That's also one of the nine deity forms that are mentioned by. Pardon? Nine deity forms that are mentioned in the Srimad Bhagavatam. It's a it's an amazing section of the Bhagavatam. Krishna describes the process of deity worship and he tells exactly how how to do it and all the different uh, stages and what are the deities and so forth metal paint wood earth the mind etc jewels. jewels anything else i thought it was curious how the lord Exactly like what it mean, what it means. The word bloop, for instance, <laughs> means that the bloop. <laughs> he bloops. It was a word created by Brahmananda that means somebody went back into the material ocean. So when you say he blooped, it's bloop. Or when <laughs> the sounds reflect. The sound is the same as as the uh, of what you're describing. Anamanapiya, When Brahmananda told this story, Brahmananda said, well, well, what can someone laugh? And Brahmananda said, well, what can we do if he is blooped? But I thought it was really interesting, and I always remember this. Uh, the Lord marveled at how amazing the external energies were. And that was his thought. And, you know, looking at Agasura, wow, look at the external energy, how amazing it is. And it is. It's his energy. It's his inferior Chapter 13, The Stealing of the Boys and Calves by mm. Brahma. Shukadeva Goswami was very much encouraged when Maharaj Prikshit asked him why the cowherd boys did not discuss the death of Agasura until after one year had passed. He explained thus, My dear King, you are making the subject matter of the transcendental pastimes of Krishna fresher by your inquisitiveness. 
It is said that it is the nature of a devotee to constantly apply his mind, energy, words, ears, etc. in hearing and chanting about Krishna. This is called Krishna consciousness. And for one who is wrapped in hearing and chanting about Krishna, the subject matter never becomes hackneyed or old. That is the significance of transcendental subject matter in contrast to material subject matter. Material subject matter becomes stale and one cannot hear a certain subject for a long time. He wants change. But as far as transcendental subject matter is concerned, it is called Nitya Nava Nava Yamana. This means that one can go on chanting and hearing about the Lord and never feel tired but remain fresh and eager to hear more and more. It is the duty of the spiritual master to disclose all confidential subject matter to the inquisitive and sincere disciple. Thus Shukadeva Goswami began to explain why the killing of Agasura was not discussed until one year had passed. Shukadeva Goswami told the king, Now hear of this secret with attention. After saving his friends from the mouth of Agasura and killing the demon, Lord Krishna brought his friends to the bank of the Jamuna and addressed them as follows. My dear friends, just see how this spot is very nice for taking lunch and playing on the soft sandy Jamuna bank. You can see how the lotus flowers in the water are beautifully blown and how they distribute their fragrance all around. The chirping of the birds along with the cooing of the peacocks surrounded by the whispering of the leaves in the trees combine and present sound vibrations that echo one another. Mm -hmm. And this just enriches the beautiful scenery created by the trees here. Let us have our lunch in this spot because it is already late and we are feeling hungry. Let the calves remain near us and let them drink water from the Jamuna. While we engage in our lunch taking, the calves may engage in eating the soft grasses that are in this spot. On hearing this proposal from Krishna, all the boys became very glad and said, Certainly, let us all sit down here to take our lunch. They then let loose the calves to eat the soft grass. Sitting down on the ground and keeping Krishna in the center, they began to open their lunch boxes brought from home. Lord Krishna was seated in the center of the circle and all the boys kept their faces toward him. They ate and constantly enjoyed seeing the Lord face to face. Krishna appeared to be the whorl of a lotus flower and the boys surrounding him appeared to be its different petals. The boys collected flowers, leaves of, of flowers and the bark of trees and placed their lunch on them as well as their lunch boxes and thus they began to eat their lunch, keeping company with Krishna. While taking lunch, each boy began to manifest different kinds of relations with Krishna and they enjoyed each other's company with joking words. While Lord Krishna was thus enjoying lunch with his friends, his flute was pushed within the belt of his cloth on his right side and his bugle and cane were pushed in on the left-hand side of his cloth. In his left palm, he was holding a lump of food prepared with yogurt, butter, rice, and pieces of fruit salad, which could be seen through his petal-like finger joints. The Supreme Personality of God, who accepts the results of all great sacrifices, was laughing and joking, enjoying lunch with his friends in Vrindavan. And thus the scene 
was being observed by the demigods from heaven. As for the boys, they were simply enjoying transcendental bliss in the company of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. At that time, the calves that were pasturing nearby entered into a deep forest allured by new grasses and gradually went out of sight. When the boys saw that the calves were not nearby, they became afraid for their safety and they immediately cried out, Krishna! Krishna is the killer of fear personified. Everyone is afraid of fear personified, but fear personified is afraid of Krishna. By crying out the word Krishna, the boys at once transcended the fearful situation. Out of his great affection, Krishna did not want his friends to give up their pleasing lunch engagement and go searching for the calves. He therefore said, My dear friends, you need not interrupt your lunch. Go on enjoying. I am going personally to find the calves. Thus Lord Krishna, still carrying the lump of yogurt and rice preparation in his left hand, immediately started to search out the calves in the caves and bushes. He searched in the mountain holes and in the forest, but nowhere could he find them. At the time when Agasura was killed and the demigods were looking on the incident with great surprise, <clears throat> Brahma, who was born of the lotus flower growing out of the navel of Vishnu, also came to see. He was surprised how a little boy like Krishna could act so wonderfully. Although he was informed that the little coward boy was the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he wanted to see more of the Lord's glorious pastimes, and thus he stole all the calves and coward boys and took them to a different place. Lord Krishna, therefore, in spite of searching for the calves, could not find them, and he even lost his boyfriends on the bank of the Jamuna where they had been taking their lunch. In the form of a coward boy, Lord Krishna was very little in comparison to, to Brahma, but because he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he could immediately understand that all the calves and boys had been <clears throat> stolen by Brahma. Krishna thought, Brahma has taken away all the boys and calves. How can I alone return to Vrindavan? The mothers will be aggrieved. Therefore, in order to satisfy the mothers of his friends, as well as to convince Brahma of the supremacy of the Personality of Godhead, he immediately expanded himself as the coward boys and calves. In the Vedas, it is said that the Supreme Personality of Godhead has already expanded himself into so many living entities by his energy. Therefore, it was not very difficult for him to expand himself again into so many boys and calves. He expanded himself to become exactly like the boys who were all of different features and facial and bodily construction and who were different in their clothing and ornaments and in their behavior and personal activities. In other words, although each boy, being an individual soul, had entirely different tastes, activities and behavior, Krishna exactly expanded himself into all the different positions of the individual boys. Go Krishna. He also became the calves who were also of different sizes, colors and activities, etc. This was possible because everything is an expansion of Krishna's energy. In the Vishnu Purana, it is said, Parasya Brahmana Shakti. Whatever we actually see in the cosmic manifestation, be it matter or the activities of the living entities, 
is simply an expansion of the energies of the Lord, as heat and light are the different expansions of fire. Thus expanding himself as the boys and calves in their individual capacities, and surrounded by such expansions of himself, Krishna entered the village of Vrindavan. The residents had no knowledge of what had happened. After entering the village of Vrindavan, all the calves entered their respective cowsheds, and the boys went to their respective mothers and homes. Well done, I might add. Well done, sir. <clears throat> the mothers of the boys heard the vibration of their flutes before their entrance. And to receive them, they came out of their homes and embraced them. And out of maternal affection, milk was flowing from their breasts. And they allowed the boys to drink it. However, their offering was not exactly to their boys, but to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who had expanded himself into such boys. This was a chance for all the mothers of Vrindavan to feed the Supreme Personality of Godhead with their own milk. Therefore, not only did Lord Krishna, not only did Lord Krishna give Yashoda the chance to feed him, but this time he gave the chance to all the other elder gopis. All the boys dealt with their mothers as usual, and the mothers also, on the approach of evening, bathed their respective children, decorated them with tilak and ornaments, and gave them necessary food after the day's labor. The cows also, who had been away in the pasturing ground, returned in the evening and called their respective calves. The calves immediately came to their mothers and the mothers began to lick the bodies of the calves. These relations of the cows and the gopis with their calves and boys remained unchanged, although actually the original calves and boys were not there. Actually, the cows' affection for their calves and the elder gopis' affection for their boys causelessly increased. Their affection increased naturally even though the calves and boys were not their offspring. <clears throat> Although the cows and elder gopis of Vrindavan had greater affection for Krishna than for their own offspring, after this incident, their affection for their offspring increased unlimitedly, exactly as it did for Krishna. For one year continuously, Krishna expanded himself as the calves and the cowherd boys and was present in the pasturing ground. As it is stated in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna's expansion is situated in everyone's heart as the Supersoul. But in this case, instead of expanding himself as the Supersoul, he expanded himself as a portion of calves and cowherd boys for one continuous year. One day, a few days before a year had passed, Krishna and Balaram were maintaining the calves in the forest <clears throat> when they saw some cows grazing on the top of Govardhan Hill. The cows could see down into the valley where the calves were being take up, taken care of by the boys. Suddenly, on sighting, of ca the, on sighting the calves, <clears throat> the cows began to run toward them. They leaped downhill with joined front and rear legs, 
the cows were so melted with affection for the calves that they did not care about the rough path from the top of Govardhan Hill down to the pasturing ground. They approached the calves with their milk bags full of milk and they raised their tails upwards. When they were coming down the hill, their milk bags were pouring milk on the ground out of intense maternal affection for the calves, although they were not their own calves. These cows had their own calves and the calves that were grazing beneath Govardhan Hill were larger. They were not expected to drink milk directly from the milk bag, but were satisfied with grass. Yet the cows all came immediately and began to lick their bodies, and the calves also began to suck milk from the milk bags. There appeared to be a great bond of affection between the cows and the calves. <clears throat> when the boys were running down the from the top of Govardhan Hill, the men who were taking care of them tried to stop them. Older cows are taken care of by the men and the calves are taken care of by the boys. And as far as possible, the calves are kept separate from the cows so that the calves do not drink all the available milk. Therefore, the men who were taking care of the cows on the top of Govardhan Hill tried to stop them, but they failed. Baffled by their failure, they were feeling ashamed and angry. They were very unhappy. But when they came down and saw their children taking care of the calves, they all of a sudden became very affectionate toward the children. It was very astonishing. Although the men came down disappointed, baffled and angry, as soon as they saw their own children, their hearts melted with great affection. At once, their anger, dissatisfaction and unhappiness disappeared. They began to show paternal love for the children and with great affection, they lifted them in their arms and embraced them. They began to smell their children's heads and enjoy their company with great happiness. After embracing the children, the men took the cows back to the top of Govardhan Hill. Along the way, they began to think of their children and affectionate tears fell from their eyes. When Balarama saw this extraordinary exchange of affection between the cows and the calves and between the fathers and their children, when neither the calves nor the children needed so much care, he began to wonder why this extraordinary thing had happened. He was astonished to see all the residents of Vrindavan so affectionate to their own children exactly as they had been to Krishna. Similarly, the cows had grown affectionate to the calves as much as to Krishna. Balarama therefore concluded that this extraordinary show of affection was something mystical, either performed by the demigods or by some powerful man. Otherwise, how could this wonderful change take place? He concluded that this mystical change must have been caused by Krishna, whom Balarama considered his worshipable personality of Godhead. He thought it was arranged by Krishna and even I could not check its mystic power. 
Thus Balarama understood that all those cows and calves were only expansions of Krishna. Balaram inquired from Krishna about the actual situation. He said, My dear Krishna, in the beginning I thought that all these calves and cowherd boys were either great sages and saintly persons and demigods, but at present it appears they are actually your expansions. They are all you. You yourself are playing as the calves and boys. What is the mystery of this situation? Where have those other calves and boys gone? And why are you expanding yourself as the calves and boys? Will you kindly tell me what is the cause? At the request of Balaram, Krishna briefly explained the whole situation, how the calves and boys had been stolen by Brahma, and how Krishna was concealing the incident by expanding himself so people would not know that the original calves and boys were missing. While Krishna and Balaram were talking, Brahma returned after a moment's interval, according to the duration of his life. We have information of Lord Brahma's duration of life from the Bhagavad Gita. One thousand times the duration of the four ages, or one thousand times four million three hundred and twenty thousand years, constitute Brahma's twelve hours. Similarly, one moment of Brahma's time is equal to one year of our solar calculation. After one moment of Brahma's calculation, Brahma came back to see the fun caused by his stealing the boys and calves. But he was also afraid that he was playing with fire. Krishna was his master, and he had played mischief for fun by taking away his calves and boys. He was really anxious, so he did not stay away very long. He came back after a moment by his calculation. He saw that all the boys and calves were playing with Krishna in the same way as when he had come upon them, although he was confident that he had taken them and made them lie down asleep under the spell of his mystic power. Brahma began to think, All the boys and calves were taken away by me, and I know they are still sleeping. How is it that a similar batch of boys and calves is playing with Krishna? Is it that they are not influenced by my mystic power? Have they been playing continually for one year with Krishna? Brahma tried to understand who they were and how they were uninfluenced by his mystic power, but he could not ascertain it. In other words, he himself came under the spell of his own mystic power. The influence of his mystic power appeared like snow in darkness or a glowworm in the daytime. During the night's darkness, the glowworm can show some glittering power and the snow piled on the top of a hill or on a ground, on the ground, can shine during the daytime. But at night, the snow has no silver glitter, nor does the glowworm have any illuminating power during the daytime. Similarly, when the small mystic power exhibited by Brahma was before the mystic power of Krishna, it was just like snow at night or a glowworm during the day. When a man of small mystic power wants to show potency in the presence of a greater mystic power, he diminishes his own influence. He does not increase it. Even such a great personality as Brahma 
when he wanted to show his mystic power before Krishna, became ludicrous. Brahma was thus confused about his own mystic power. In order to convince Brahma that all those calves and boys were not the original ones, the calves and boys who were playing with Krishna transformed into Vishnu forms. Actually, the original ones were sleeping under the spell of Brahma's mystic power, but the present ones, seen by Brahma, were all immediate expansions of Krishna or Vishnu. <clears throat> Vishnu is the expansion of Krishna, so the Vishnu forms appeared before Brahma. All the Vishnu forms were of bluish color and dressed in yellow garments. All of them had four hands, decorated with club, disc, lotus flower, and conch shell. On their heads were glittering golden helmets inlaid with jewels. They were bedecked with pearls and earrings and garlanded with beautiful flowers. On their chests was the mark of Shivats. Their arms were decorated with armlets and other jewelry, and their necks were just like conch shells. Their legs were decorated with bells, their waists with golden bells, and their fingers with jeweled rings. Brahma also saw that upon the whole body of each Lord Vishnu, from the lotus feet up to the top of the head, fresh tulsi leaves and buds had been thrown. Another significant feature of the Vishnu forms was that all of them were looking transcendentally beautiful. Their smiling resembled the moonshine and their glancing resembled the early rising of the sun. Just by their glancing, they showed themselves to be the creators and maintainers of the modes of ignorance and passion. Vishnu represents the mode of goodness, Brahma represents the mode of passion, and Lord Shiva represents the mode of ignorance. Therefore, as the maintainer of everything in the cosmic manifestation, Vishnu is the creator and maintainer of Brahma and Shiva, Lord Shiva. <clears throat> After this manifestation of Lord Vishnu, Brahma saw that many other Brahmas and Shivas and demigods and even insignificant living entities down to the ants and very small straws, all moving and non-moving living entities, were dancing surrounding Lord Vishnu. Their dancing was accompanied by various kinds of music and all of them were worshipping Lord Vishnu. Brahma realized that all those Vishnu forms were complete in mystic power from the anima perfection of becoming small like an atom up to, up to becoming infinite like the cosmic manifestation. All the mystic powers of Brahma, Shiva, all the demigods and the 24 elements of cosmic manifestation were fully represented in the person of Vishnu. By the influence of Lord Vishnu, all subordinate mystic powers were engaged in his worship. He was being worshipped by time, space, the cosmic manifestation, reformation, desire, activity and the three qualities of material nature. Lord Vishnu, <clears throat> Brahma also realized, is the reservoir of all truth 
knowledge and bliss. He is a combination of, the, of three transcendental features, namely eternity, knowledge and bliss. And he is the object of worship by the followers of the Upanishads. Brahma realized that all the different forms of boys and calves transformed into Vishnu forms were not transformed by a mysticism of the type that a yogi or a demigod can display by specific powers invested in them. The calves and boys transformed into Vishnu murtis or Vishnu forms were not displays of Vishnu maya or Vishnu's energy but were Vishnu himself. The respective qualifications of Vishnu and Vishnu maya are just like fire and heat. In the heat there is the qualification of fire, namely warmth, and yet heat is not fire. The manifestation of the Vishnu forms of the cows and calves was not like the heat, but rather the fire. They were all actually Vishnu. Factually, the qualification of Vishnu is full truth, full knowledge, and full bliss. Another example can be given with material objects which are reflected in many, many forms. For example, the sun is reflected in many water pots, but the reflections of the sun in the many pots are not actually the sun. <clears throat> there is no actual heat or light from the suns in the pots, although they appear like the sun. But the forms which Krishna assumed were each and every one full Vishnu. The specific word used in this connection is Satya Jnana Natatnanda. Satya means truth, Jnana, full knowledge, Ananda, un, uh, unlimited, and Ananda, full bliss. The glories of the Supreme Personality of Godhead are so great that the impersonalistic followers of the Upanishads cannot reach the platform of knowledge to understand them. Especially the transcendental forms of the Lord are beyond the reach of the impersonalists who can only understand through studying the Upanishads that the Absolute Truth is not matter or is not materially restricted. From Krishna's expansion into Vishnu forms, Lord Brahma could understand by his limited potency that everything moving and non-moving within the cosmic manifestation is existing due to the expansion of the energy of the Supreme Lord. When Brahma was thus standing baffled in his limited power and conscious of his limited activities within the eleven senses, he could realize that he was also a creation of the material energy, just like a puppet. As a puppet has no independent power to dance, but dances according to the direction of the puppet master, so the demigods and living entities are all subordinate to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. As it is stated in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, the only master is Krishna and all others are his servants. The whole world is under the waves of the material spell and beings are floating 
like straws in water. So their struggle for existence is continuing. But as soon as one becomes conscious that he is the eternal servant of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, this maya, or illusory struggle for existence, is immediately stopped. Lord Brahma, who has full control over the Goddess of Learning, and who was considered to be the best authority in Vedic knowledge, was thus perplexed. Being unable to understand the extraordinary power manifested by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In the mundane world, even a personality like Brahma is unable to understand the mystic power of the Supreme Lord. Not only did Brahma fail to understand, but he was perplexed even to see the display which was being manifested by Krishna before him. Krishna took compassion upon Brahma because of his inability to see how Krishna was displaying the forms of Vishnu and transforming himself into calves and the cow of boys. And thus, while fully manifesting the Vishnu expansions, he suddenly pulled his curtain of Yogamaya over the scene. In the Bhagavad Gita it is said that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is not visible due to the curtain spread by Yogamaya. That which covers the reality is Mahamaya or the external energy, which does not allow a conditioned soul to understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead beyond the cosmic manifestation. But the energy which partially manifests the Supreme Personality of Godhead and partially does not allow one to see is called Yogamaya. Brahma <coughs> is not an ordinary conditioned soul. He is far, far superior to all the other demigods. And yet he could not comprehend the display of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Therefore, Krishna willingly stopped manifesting any further potency. The conditioned soul not only becomes bewildered, but is completely unable to understand. The curtain of Yoga Maya was drawn so that Brahma would not become more and more perplexed. <clears throat> when Brahma was relieved from his perplexity, he appeared to awaken from an almost dead state and he began to open his eyes with great difficulty. Thus he could see the external cosmic manifestation with common eyes. He saw all around him the super-excellent view of Vrindavan, full of trees, which is the source of life for all living entities. He could appreciate the transcendental land of Vrindavan, where all the living entities are transcendental to ordinary nature. In the forest of Vrindavan, even ferocious animals like tigers live peacefully along with the deer and human beings. He could understand that because of the presence of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Vrindavan is transcendental to all other places and is free of lust and greed. Brahma thus found Sri Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, playing the part of a small coward boy. He saw that little child with a lump of food in his left hand, searching out his friends and calves, just as he had actually been doing one year before, after their disappearance. Immediately Brahma descended from his great swan carrier and fell down before the Lord just like a golden stick. The word used among the Vaishnavas for offering respect is dandavat. This word means falling down like a stick. 
One should offer respect to the superior Vaishnava by falling down straight with his body just like a stick. So Brahma fell down before the Lord just like a stick to offer respect. And because the complexion of Brahma is golden, he appeared to be like a golden stick lying down before Lord Krishna. All the four helmets on the heads of Brahma touched the lotus feet of Krishna. Brahma, being very joyful, began to shed tears, and he washed the lotus feet of Krishna with his tears. Repeatedly, he fell in rows as he recalled the wonderful activities of the Lord. After repeating obeisances for a long time, Brahma stood up and smeared his hands over his eyes. Seeing the Lord before him, he, trembling, began to offer prayers with great respect, humility, and attention. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta purport of the 13th chapter of Krishna, the stealing of the boys and calves by Brahma. Bravo. 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 Bravo.